right on. Welcome to Circuitous Conversations with Bill and Dan, episode 75 for Saturday, March 3rd, 2012. I am Bill Wadman. I am Dan Gottesman. And uh, sorry for being late this week. Yeah, well, late. We've missed a week, dude. All right, so we're just kind of, we're jumping, we're skipping. Skipping what? Uh, a week, apparently. Oh, yeah. I thought you meant we're skipping, like, uh, uh, the order of, of doing something that we had intended or no. some sort of an agenda. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, I guess there's nothing we can do about it now. Uh, nope. Not unless you have a time machine, my friend. Hmm, maybe we could double up in some way. Uh, we'll figure it out. Uh, so, a lot has happened this week, or in the last week and a half, two weeks. Yeah, it's, well, it's you know, time has marched on, and things happen, you know, when and, time uh, does that. Oh, we got a question. You want to take care of that now or later? Sure. Let's do it. Do you have it handy? Uh, the exact wording? I think I do, actually. Here I we go. You probably find it, too. Okay, you got it. Uh, this comes courtesy of uh, Mr. Taylor. Mm. Bill and Dan, I am on the cusp of purchasing a wide-angle lens for my 5D Mark II. Mm. Either the 14mm uh, prime or the 16-35 to 35 zoom. I've used both, love them equally, but I'm leaning towards the zoom. I'm now worried that I might be making the wrong decision. Could you explain mm. how and why a prime lens creates a superior image quality to that of a zoom lens? I've heard this is true, and I've even experienced it firsthand, but I can't understand why. Mm. Uh, I've ass- I assume that the prime lenses, uh, lenses users average better images than zoom lenses users because their equipment requires more thought, time, effort to frame and shoot, uh, whereas a zoom lens allows you to lazily quickly frame a shot. So is there really, is it the lens or the operator that's making the image quality superior or inferior? If you were to take the exact photo, spending the same amount of time using the same equipment, which w- would one be better than the other? Mm. So that's the question. Uh, mm. the, the, the quick answer is the prime is going to be better. As far as sharpness is concerned. Yeah. As far mm-hmm. as visual quality. And, and while people who shoot primes as a general rule probably do take more time with their you know, with their with their uh, worrying about that kind of stuff, like you know, framing the shot and all the rest of it. There actually are real reasons why uh, one is better than the other, like physical optical characteristic. Physical reasons. optical characteristic re- uh, reasons, right? Which right. Uh, which I was actually science. Gonna, yeah, exactly. Uh, which there's science involved in photography. There, well, there, there's I did, I science didn't reasons. Science reasons. Yeah, exactly. Scientific. Um, well, first off, um, Mm. as a general rule of thumb, uh, prime lenses tend to be simpler. Yeah. Well, there's less going on. There's less going on. Right. Um, less moving parts, less moving parts, less going on. And for example, in the two lenses that he spoke about, the 14 millimeter prime, uh, has 14 elements in 11 groups and the zoom is 16 elements in 12 groups, which doesn't sound like a lot, but there's a lot more moving inside of a, a zoom lens. Um, also, yeah. Another thing that sort of bear in mind, not to off track you there sure. is zoom lenses have a tendency to physically be bigger than prime lenses. They, um, they do as far as like their length is concerned and yeah. sometimes their, yeah. their diameter. And uh, to, to be more fair, cause that 14 inch that he's t- or 14 millimeter that he's talking about is kind of a special use lens in many ways. Like a 14, right. that's wide, but that's um, yeah, but there's that. Well, so I have something to say to that later. Well, let's, let's take the, the 24 
1.4L, which is like more equivalent, right? Um, is actually 13 elements in 10 groups. So that's a bunch, a handful less, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's also, when you're zooming uh, or, or focusing a, a prime lens, there's usually like one or two elements that are actually moving. Um, when you're zooming and focusing a zoom lens, like all kinds of stuff are sliding around in there, often like <laughs> against each other and that kind of stuff. So it just makes uh, the design of the lens much more complex because ultimately all these lenses are basically trying to make a camera obscure a hole more accurate. They're trying to make Mm -hmm. the light that comes through the hole, like actually land the way it came in. Um, Mm -hmm. So they do all kinds of tricky stuff with a spherical lenses and lenses with two sides and one flat and this, then they do all kinds of things to, to counteract theirs. There's actually a really great article which I'll have to find. I think it was on Canon Rumors, actually. But it was all about how all the lenses you use today are based upon, like, four different lenses from the past. Like yeah. All, I, there's, like, four different designs that are basic, are, like, sort of the prime things of almost everything you look at. Yeah. Yeah. Are you familiar? What's his name? I can't remember the guy. Well, there's a, there's one of, the, one of the two big camera or rental places online. I, I want to say it's Lens, um, Borrow Lenses. Okay. It's either Borrow Lenses or the, I'll, I'll, I'll put a link to it. Uh, but this guy, who, the guy who runs that company, he's really nerdy about camera stuff. And, and every, like, like, once a month or so, a little, maybe a little more, a little less frequently, maybe once every six weeks, he'll post these really terrific, like, long um, posts about, like, you know, the history of, um, you know, the history of a lens. And he'll, he'll even, he'll have all these really great examples. And I've definitely learned a few bits and pieces from his stuff. Um, his, I think his name is John something. But, uh, but definitely worth reading if you really want to know what Bill's talking about as far as the, you know, the nuts and bolts of how lenses work. I mean, there's also other stuff involved. Like say, say you have the 16 to 24, two, eight. And you're, 16, and you're, you mean 16 to 35, right? Uh, 16 to 35. I'm sorry. Yeah. 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 Uh, two, eight and you're, and you're shooting at 24, right? So it's almost the equivalent and you're shooting at F 2.8. Sure. That is wide open on that zoom where if you had the 1.4, that's stopped down a couple stops. Yeah. So, all lenses tend to look better as you stop them down a little bit, mm-hmm. right? It's true. Their sweet spots have a tendency to be in the middle. Exactly. So the, both of those lenses being at f2.8 doesn't mean they're equivalent because the, the prime lens, that's stopped down a bit to get to 2.8 where the zoom is wide open at 2.8. Uh, and, and almost all lenses at the, at their at their most open aperture are tend to not be their sharpest right you know um and it's it's actually amazing when you find lenses and that's both because at really open apertures it's harder to focus um but it's also that they just tend to be softer overall just as a as an optical characteristic um sure. and there are a few lenses that are actually really really sharp wide open and it's rare but usually they're sharp in the middle but not at the edges so the edges yeah. get get more and sharp uh, sure. sharper as you as you stop down yeah. so so I guess the answer to his question is there actual are there are actual reasons why uh, primes are sharper. Now I shoot almost exclusively with primes precisely because of this. Mm-hmm. Um, chromatic aberration is another real problem too, right? So where like you look at the edge of things on high contrast situations and it just kind of fuzzes out a little bit, mm-hmm. like it's a little it's a little purple, <laughs> purple fringing they call it. Yeah. Um, Purple and green are the two. Uh, yeah, are the two sides of that. Yeah, and uh, and and you'll notice that. I mean, this again. This that's 
most and most modern things that's real pixel paper kind of stuff not the kind of stuff you would ever see in a reasonable size print or or online at any reasonable or with a, size with a you know with a modern camera and a professional like l you know l glass yeah canon l grade glass i mean it's generally as good as it's going to get yeah and on top of that the um a lot of the like for example lightroom and and the canon software itself actually to have corrective stuff in there for chromatic aberration they 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 have uh what do they call them for the lenses uh Profiles. profiles yeah there you go yeah. they have profiles for the lenses that actually like pull it in and say oh this lens usually has this much chromatic aberration so we're going to do the exact opposite to offset it um yep. and so all that stuff as time goes forward that all gets done automatically for you in fact i think the canon cameras do it in camera when you're shooting jpeg <laughs> um so so again th- that's not the big thing but there is a big difference i remember when um I, it, even going from like consumer zooms to the L zooms, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, 2004, I took a trip with my father out west to all these national parks, and I had two lenses with me: the 28 to 135, which is like this consumer zoom with IS, mm-hmm. and and it's a pretty good lens. It's like a four hundred dollar lens. lens. Yeah, right? it's yeah. a high end kit lens. Yeah, sure. Um, they used to sell it actually as the high end kit lens. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other one was I had the 17 to 40 f4l mm. which i had just bought which is sort of a low-end l lens which is a very nice lens mm-hmm. it's like 700 bucks or something um and just the difference in overall contrast between even those two lenses you know like the the, the pictures how they came out of the camera looked much better on the l glass um and i think that in, in the same way if you if you have the same lens uh, between a zoom and a prime at the same focal length. Like if you're out taking pictures and you have a 50 prime on there or a zoom that at 50, like the, like the 24 to 70 that everyone always uses sure. uh, at 50, the pictures out of the prime are generally going to be a lot sharper and a lot more contrasty, like right out of the camera. And that's just because zoom lenses are complex and you, everything in photography is a trade off. everything. So yeah. you, Which, you, well, that brings me to the point that I was going to make, but I think you're, no, go ahead. You're getting there. Um, so the other the other big question, uh, or the, the the other tricky answer to this question, is let's let's just assume for a second that both of these lenses are fantastic, right? So it's like let's say you've taken them to the lab and you've done your tests, yep. and um, sure the the prime will be you know we'll say five percent sharper, maybe sure. even fifteen percent sharper, but the point is they'll both be really really good on the camera. Yeah. yeah. So let's let's rule out the sharpness factor. Um, for a minute, which in my in my opinion is really, you know, most of the time anyway. Um, the real question is what what are you going to be doing? Yeah, uh, because there are some situations where, well, first of all, fourteen is fourteen is wide, dude. Fourteen I had is really a, wide, and that's on a I full a, frame camera. Yeah, I had a fourteen millimeter. Uh, I still have it. I, I'm actually loaning it to Claude presently because he on a on a crop frame camera, fourteen is really nice. It's like a twenty, um, and he does a lot of video stuff, and it's a really nice kind of pseudo fisheye thing. But on a, on a uh, full frame camera, that that is seriously wide. So that's like you are stuck in the corner of a room, and you still need to get everything that's going on in that room. Yeah, it's I mean, that, that it's is 114 angle of view. Yeah, it's borderline fisheye. I mean, someone would call that a you know the, the, a light fisheye as opposed to a you know heavy fisheye or sure. serious fisheye. Um, that said, it's it's a ton of fun. I mean, it's a really cool lens. It's, I mean, and if you are doing video stuff, it can be really cool. It's a, it's um, a special effects lens more than anything else. I would say. It, it, 
Well, it's a special. Pur- I would call it special purpose. Okay, um, there you go. I, I, when uh, the other, so you know, I, I remember getting some really fun shots uh, doing some like concert coverage. You know, I'm I'm at, at the foot of the stage. I'm like literally up against the stage, and I want to get the guy, uh, you know, who's directly in front of me. He's literally his foot is literally like three feet away from me. You know, but with this with this lens, I rotate the. You know, I can, if I shoot it in a vertical orientation. I can get his foot, you know, and the sky, you know, and everything yeah, around yeah. and half the crowd. And that, that's kind of a neat perspective. Yeah. Um, or if I'm like, I, I remember I, t- I was uh, in Hawaii and I took it up to Hawaii and I was this very scenic uh, overlook, but it was like a really small cramped space. And, um, you know, I wanted to sort of try to get the the bigness uh, and the openness of that of that space. So with the wide angle lens, uh, it really, with the 14, it re- really, uh, it really helped, helped do that. Sure. Um, but at the same time, like you say, it, it is a little it is a little extreme. Yeah. Uh, now I know a lot of people who have the sixteen to thirty five and love that lens. That's I've, a great I've, lens. I've played with it a little bit, and I think, well, um, from a practicality standpoint, that is probably going to be a more useful lens, yes. just because you can you can zoom it <laughs> zoom it out to thirty five millimeters. Right. Um, and thirty five millimeters is a really great focal length. I think that's that's one of my favorites. Um, and if you're in a situation where you can't move, and you know you can you can zoom in and zoom out and get get just the right framing you need. Uh, another factor to sort of weigh in there is the cost. Um, by my checking quickly, it looks like the the zoom comes in at about fifteen hundred bucks, uh, but the prime is a, is a little over two grand. Yep. So it's so you know it's a good thirty forty percent more expensive. Yeah. Um. So money wise, the, the the final sort of the final thought for me or suggestion I would make to you. Uh, is and this this goes for you know any sort of like this or that type of quandary that you might be in. Uh, head over to a rental house and rent them both. And a, well, he B says them. he's tried them both. Oh, does he? Yeah, I don't remember. I didn't remember that. I, I you know here's the thing. I have I have one zoom. I have a the twenty four to one hundred five f four L. And the only reason I have it is for the odd time where I can only bring one lens. Or I know I'm going to be walking in a national park and don't want to carry a big backpack right. and want a lot which, of options. Which is a legitimate which, excuse. Which is you a know, fine a thing. And it's a fine lens. And there's plenty of people who use only that lens. I it, there's a, My friend Randy shoots mm-hmm. all of his editorial work and stuff with that lens. That's yeah. everything he uses. Totally. To me, when I've taken that lens out on trips and take pictures and I come home and I'm looking at the pictures, there are a lot of times where I'm like, damn it, I wish I had brought a prime with me. Because mm. this would have looked like it's a little soft down here in the corners. And mm. so if I made a big print, you would notice that softness down in the corners, you right. know, where I have a giant 30 by 48 inch print on my wall of half dome at Yosemite mm-hmm. that I shot handheld with a 51.4 mm-hmm. stop down to like F8 or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's sharp, like corner to corner tack sharp. Right. And that's a $300 lens. Right. You know, yeah, well, and, and again, that also kind of, uh, that's another factor just to sort of weigh in is, is w- what are your shots going to be? I mean, if you're, if you're going to be shooting for prints, then obviously yep. sharpness, I should say enlarged yep. prints, because n- not a lot of people are sure. blowing stuff up that big. Right. Um, but it really is, it's an image quality it. versus convenience thing. And like, where on that line do you sit? Um, although Dan is correct that the, the 16 to 35 will be more versatile across the board, I think. Yeah, um, I mean, between the fact that it's less expensive and it's it's a little bit more useful, um, more I, we'll, we'll use the word practical. Yeah, um, that would probably be the way I would lean. Um, but again, I, I, you know, the the look of the fourteen is is really really cool. I mean, and it really depends on your style and and yeah. what 
what you're what you're doing with it. Well, you the know, other you, thing, the, yeah. there is the uh, the 15 millimeter 2.8 fisheye, which is only eight hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, which you know you can use little plugins to rectilinearize. I'm sure they make a rectilinear plugin for the 14 too, though. Yeah, yeah, but I guess my point is that like if you don't want to spend 2400, you lose one millimeter, which is probably like another 10 degrees view, you know. Yeah. Um, and the other thing about primes is that like yeah, okay, that the 24 or the 16 to 35 is what would you say 15 1600 dollars? Yeah. Um, you could buy a few different like less expensive. They make a a, a 24 2.8 prime for 400 bucks. Yeah. So you and can, and you, that's another. The twenty four is like teeny. Right. It's like half the size. You could buy the the twenty four, the twenty eight, and the thirty five F two for like less than a thousand dollars. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, like no, so, it's it, true. It, but but then you're carrying around three lenses. Absolutely. <laughs> it's it all to me. It's worth it. Like I I like primes. I right. also like shooting portraits. Of course, I'm not like zooming all the time. Right. I know what twenty eight looks like. I know when I put my twenty eight on, even before I bring my camera up. And you're not what I'm looking for. 90% of the time, you're not shooting with your, with a bag on your shoulder, like true natural light, you know, like hunting, hunting for the shot. You, your shots are way more staged and deliberate and thought out and you know what it's going to be. Some people like, you know, people do event coverage and, 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 uh, newscast, you know, news, news type stuff, photojournalism type stuff. They don't know where the hell they're going to be. Photojournalists love that 16 to 35. They have to, I mean, it, it, you know, with the, with that kind of style, you get the, you know, there's the sort of the, the standard rule of thumb. You get those, the three zooms, you know, the wide yep. zoom, the the normal zoom and the long zoom. And, yeah. and you've got your basis covered, covered you know? from and, 24 to 200. Yeah. And you're, and you're, you know, you're compromising a little bit with sharpness, but again, with, with a lot of that style, it doesn't really matter, right, right. you know? And then the fact that you have, and then these guys also have two bodies, you know, so they'll tend to have two of those three lenses on a camera at, you know, on yep. your neck at, at, you know, arm's reach at any given time. Yeah. Um, but that's more again about more not missing the shot. Whereas what what you're talking about, Bill, is more of a fine art, you know, yep, uh, practical, um, intentional approach. The other thing too is, is that I I think because the lenses are more complex, there's more variation between samples. Hmm. Oh, that's another, yeah. The, so I, I I found the link. The uh, the, uh, the the website is lensrentals.com. Uh, there's a link in the notes here about uh, they have they have a nice little roundup of their best blog posts. And this is the guy who has who's been reposted and reblogged about how um, he, he's a big advocate of you know trying to raise awareness that that not all lenses are the same, right? Uh, you know, like because this guy literally his company owns dozens of copies of the same exact lens, and and he he does tests and charts. I mean, they keep records on this stuff for their own you know for their own quality assurance. And he's like, look, here here's here's the facts, dudes. You know. There's there's a considerable amount of variance from one copy of the same lens to the next. So that that alone, to me, you know, kind of negates the oh that lens sucks argument because it's like well, dude, maybe that lens on your camera at that time yep. it sucked. You know, yep. I would I would never rule out you know a lens being good or bad on one isolated usage. I, I remember like I have the the thirty five one four L, which huh? is. On my camera, like my sample, whatever it is, yeah. is ridiculously sharp. Yeah, you got a, a winner. It's scary sharp. And so there are other people who say, oh, I can't wait until they replace that lens with a revision. So, you know, because it's really sh- like soft, wide open. I'm like, what kind of crack are you smoking soft, wide open? You can cut yourself on my pictures with that lens. Well, again, on your camera. Uh, right, right. But yourself. I mean, but obviously, like, they either have a bad sample or they don't know what they're doing. Um, because at 1.4, you got to make sure your focus is right, too. Uh, yeah, it all depends if you need to, if you need to work in lower light, that's another advantage of primes, 
because you know generally they can uh you know gather more likes the aperture can get bigger um, true. so i don't know it's a trade-off he doesn't you know what the problem is he doesn't say what, what kind of pictures he's taken yeah yeah and that and, and to me ultimately that's the first question you ask anybody in the in the what should i yep. get uh yep. you know routine it's you know it's it's well what are you doing yeah you know? and, and then we can talk about what you should get well but uh, hopefully hopefully that information you know hopefully we've, we've given you some more things to think about and narrow it help you narrow it down a little yeah. bit I mean, we we like answering questions so send them along uh circuitous conversations at gmail.com yeah um so the new the new canon came out today or okay. yesterday yeah the other day <laughs> friday right uh i think it was announced like thursday night okay that's when it started hitting the blogos in Japan, Japan. Uh, for those of you who don't know the new five D Mark three, um, which Finally. the, yeah, the Canon five D Mark two is the camera that I use. Uh, that, that's like the most the common dude. That's probably the most camera in the world right now. I, swear yeah. I can't tell you how many people I know who have and use that camera. Well, I mean for the price, it's unbelievable. Yeah, it's great. You know? Um, so you, you, you get a lot for your, for your dollar. Um, but this camera is three years old. Yep. Still looks good, though. I had oh, the pictures out of it are still some of the best out there. Um, mm-hmm. Hey, as long as if the guy who shoots the president uses my camera, I feel like that's a pretty good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I had the Mark One before it. One of the things that I didn't like about the jump to the Mark Two was that they didn't upgrade the autofocus at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, the new one upgraded autofocus. In fact, almost pro level 1d level autofocus it's like well, you know you should hope so i mean you're spending i mean look at the price tag on that camera bro well see here's the thing okay we'll we'll go through it and get to the price in a second mm. uh 22 megapixels so very slight bump in resolution but not 36 megapixels like the new nikon yeah but we've already kind of run Debunked the, the, new the nikon. resolution blah blah yeah no, not even nikon thing just the whole concept of megapixels blah yeah. blah yeah it's not it's not worth talking right. about uh, and the way I figure, and they say, uh, you know, it can go to slightly higher ISOs and they say it's a two stop improvement in noise at higher well, ISOs, which makes total sense because, yeah, you it's know, a three, three years new, have passed. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So in some ways it's actually good that they left it there. Maybe had they gone to 24 or 26, like it probably would have been fine there too, but they stuck at 22. Apparently a lot of that has to do with the fact that the resolution at 22 point, whatever megapixels is, really is good for video. exactly three times the video resolution so that you could basically bin three pixels for right. every pixel in video, right. um, which uh, I, whether that actually turns into better video, I guess we'll find out. Um, they, they, they claim reduced, uh, rolling shutter and the jello effect and all that kind of stuff, which again makes perfect sense. Right. Um, which again makes absolutely no difference to me cause I don't shoot video. <laughs> right. Um, there is headphone jack, headphone jack, dude. headphone jack for <laughs> video. Very useful. Um, yeah. they stuck with USB two, which mm-hmm. I understand because I mean, they're not gonna do firewire. Not everyone has fire or oh, ethernet, uh, man. Ethernet is the way. Okay. Of- well, here's the thing. So. Yeah, the, so the the 1D and the D4 have the Ethernet jack. Mm-hmm. Um, there is an $800 accessory for the 5D Mark III that you can screw on the bottom that's a Wi-Fi adapter that yeah, also has Ethernet. I know, but I'm just saying that like if you really needed Ethernet, for 800 bucks you could get it, which is right a lot less than having to buy a 1D. This is true. Um, for me, it's uh, you know I, I don't really shoot like that, and tethered USB 2 is probably fine. Mm-hmm. Um then there's a, a so new autofocus, which is great. The problem with autofocus is that I don't, I don't <laughs> personally. I use a center point. Yeah, I've seen you. You're not alone, man. I know tons of shooters who do exactly what you do. They basically aim the camera at what they want to be in focus, half press, 
recompose, and then finish the press. Exactly. Uh, and then that's, that's yeah, very yeah, standard. Because I know exactly, first of all, then I don't have to like move around the stupid focus point all the time with your thumb thing. You know what I mean? You're not like yeah. playing with that stuff. And yeah. the center focus points tend to be the most accurate. So I know what I want to be in focus is in focus. And yep. it works out great for me. In fact, I almost never change it away from center point. When I hand my camera to somebody else to take a picture, somebody asks, oh, can I try taking a picture? First thing I do is tr- do the autofocus to all the points right. so that it actually, you know, so it doesn't confuse them. You're not, you know, you're not relying right. on their skills. <laughs> right. So, so, th- so this is all very good for people who, again, that's very good for shooters who are, um, I guess, who, who, would, who would use that? That would be like uh, more. Well, I would say. Again, photojournal, yep. photojournalism type people, people who are trying to work as fast as possible, sports people, yeah, um, so, you know, people who are, are very reliant on autofocus situations. Yeah, so it's this 61-point autofocus, which is pretty cool, and almost all of them are the cross-type sensors, which is great. Yeah. Um, uh, six frames per second, I think it was like 3.2 on the old one. Um, right, for me, it doesn't make a difference, but if you're a sports guy... You know, with the new autofocus and the new and six frames a second, this is this becomes a much more usable sports camera mm-hmm. uh, if you want full frame and you want sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, intelligent viewfinder, so the viewfinder you know has more information in it. It can also you can turn off all the stuff in the viewfinder, so it's just yeah. purely a viewfinder. Which I like actually, that. I do too. I think yeah. that's an. I mean, that's something that I think all cameras should have. You know, you should be able to tweak a little bit what you're what your display, you know, what your look is. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and cause I almost, I, you know, I said in my little review on the blog, it's, I almost never look down there at the numbers. Yeah. Oh, I, I mean, either. I mean, I, I look there, but, uh, if, if I'm, if I'm in, if I'm doing a shot where I, I can't take my eye away from the, the finder for some reason. Right. And I need to know where, where I'm at or, or I'm, or I'm monkeying around and I'm, I'm experimenting a little bit and I want to do, uh, I'm shooting in manual and I, and I want to do some manual bracketing. Um, then I'll keep an eye on that. Uh, or, or there's are, there are some rare occasions when, when I actually do use the light meter <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, I, I refer to the, the stuff there, but 90% of the time I just take a picture and look at the screen and see how it looks. Yeah, exactly. And, and then, and adjustment. Yeah. I think most people are like that. These yeah. Days. But apparently, yeah, there's apparently people who just keep their eye on the viewfinder and change their settings on the fly. I just, I'm just not that guy. Um, I always, I also find it funny that they have a new 63 zone dual layer metering system. Ooh. Whenever I see anything about metering, like, it dude, always, it's like, you're always landing on, an, <laughs> on a shutter speed and an aperture. Yeah, exactly. It's like all That's this information it. and all these sensors to come down to two settings. Yeah, you know? which, which most of the time, like you hold a meter out in the air at what you're, you know, in the rough direction of what you're going to be looking at, you're going to be pretty damn close. Exactly. And if you're shooting raw, come on. Right. You can you can fix it later. So it's just it's just kind of funny to me that like that they keep talking about how much better all these metering systems are. I mean, the only thing that still confuses metering systems are things that are mm-hmm. always going to confuse metering systems, which are things being backlit because you don't know if right. you want the background or the foreground. Exactly. Or really, really a really high contrast situation. Exactly. Or 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 say snow. You know, which it's yeah. going to yeah. try to make neutral gray, which is perfectly normal, right? Totally. Um, slightly bigger LCD. Uh, it does HDR in camera, which is actually yeah, interesting. Uh, my question is, does it just spit out a JPEG? I don't know. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of, it's somewhat interesting to me because there are times when I want to, I need more, I want to do HDR, but I don't want to deal with, you know. Um, so that that could be kind of interesting. There's an aspect ratio function, which I know Nikons have had forever. Um, or at least, you know, the Nikon, can't you like put up at least in the D3s, 
uh, a uh, a thing in the viewfinder, like a square or four by oh, five. Oh, right, right. Sorry. Yeah. Well, it's like heads up display I mean, kind of thing. Does it actually crop, crop the picture? It does. Oh, see, that's interesting. Cause I, so the Canons have never done that. And yeah. it's always been something that I actually uh, always wanted. I was a little jealous of that. Uh, yeah, apparently, there's, there's, there's three there's settings a, for that on D3. An electronic le- uh, 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 levels inside the thing, too, which you guys oh. have had for a while. Oh, I got the D3 has had it. Um, exactly. Uh, it's a pro feature for sure. Okay, yeah. Uh, and then there's some kind of weird comparative playback function, so you could show multiple pictures at once and like look through them, which is actually could be useful for somebody. Uh, yeah. Again, not a huge thing to me. Um, one of the th- big things for me is the fact that the viewfinder is 100%. Sure. Or approximately 100%, they say, which the old one was like 98. And that doesn't sound like a lot. But there is a fair amount in those couple percent on either side um, that that you take a picture and then what you get is a little bit bigger. Yeah. Knowing that you're seeing 100% of what you're taking kind of changes the way you shoot a little bit. Yeah, um, yeah. And, sure. and it's nice to also, if that ends up meaning that it's a better, uh, a slightly bigger, brighter viewfinder, then all the better. Um, apparently the new D4 viewfinder is insane. I have no doubt. Um, I, I'm well. While I've already stated that I have no interest in purchasing that camera, I yeah. very would, would like. I would not mind having a weekend with it just to play around. Exactly just because you know um, my uh, you know I like Nikon stuff. You know, we mentioned that the the six frames per second in both of us kind of whatevered. Yeah. Um, however, the one thing that the six frames per second does give you mm. is a much faster mirror blackout. And oh right, you were talking about that. Which, Man, I can't tell you. I I've heard. Do again, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about, dude. Well, here's the thing, man. I can't tell you how many... I've heard the, the 5D Mark II's um, mirror sound so many times that I can identify it like in a, in a, on a subway, on, in, a, in a loud, crowded yep. environment. It's insane. I mean, it, it, it is so like... You know, it is like this mushy, little, spongy-sounding exactly. you know, flip-flap. Um, and, and like when you compare it to, like you're saying, like, a, like, a, like even like the four-year-old D3, like the first-gen D3, yep. it's like it's no... no uh, if you compare it no to the 70... Man. Oh, like, my God. It's like, it's, yeah. It's like, it's like that's like a gun going off. Which, I love it. Yeah. Which, and, and the one thing, one of the few things, the viewfinder and mm-hmm. the, the blackout and the overall speed of the mirror and the sound of the feel of the shutter yep. um, on the 1D were the two things that I missed going down to the 5D. And and they're not like real. I mean, if you're not shooting really fast, these are not things that are going to be a problem. You know, they're not going to change your pictures. No. But they change like the way that it feels in your hand and, and the way that it feels taking pictures. And it, it seems like a small thing. And it, in the grand scheme of things, it probably is a small thing. Like I, I'd rather have good looking pictures than a good sounding shutter. Oh, of course. Which the five D Mark II certainly gives you. Right. Um. But somebody put up a video of them. Of the of the Mark III shutter and it's really tight sounding. So, I'll bet. I'll bet. you know, as much as I don't need this camera at all, mm-hmm. I'm considering pre-ordering it if only because of the shutter. <laughs> I know that oh, sounds so pathetic. Changing changing gears are along that same line. Another sort of superfluous thing that I think is a really cool idea that I don't I don't really you know I can't remember I can't I can't think of why. Um, Nobody thought of this before. Uh, I'm just looking now at a picture of the back of the the 5D Mark III. Yeah, and it has that rating button, which I think is just brilliant, man. Oh, you can um, rate the pictures in camera. Right. I mean, I used to do that in a in a pseudo way using the lock function because Nikon's have a little key 
icon in the back, mm-hmm. uh, a button, you know, where you can sort of prevent a, a picture from being deleted. Yep. So I used to, you know, but then you, but the problem with that is then, yeah, because you're locking it when you, you know, when you want to, I think the only way you can get rid of stuff is, I'm not even sure if locked files survive a reformat. They might. And that becomes a, a pain in the ass. Um, and plus it's just like either, you know, yes or no. I think with rating, at least you can have, yeah. oh, maybe that's all you really need is a, a, a one, you know, one star or no. But um, that's I wonder a nice if, if that ends up being in the metadata the same way that Lightroom uses it, so that if I you, wouldn't be surprised because there's a spot for it, you know. Yeah, there's yeah. A, there's a slot in the because it would be XF really nice. So like you and I, like a few weeks ago, we did those couple shoots and we had like an hour to kill in the middle. Hey, you could have totally like pre-rated your stuff exactly. in camera, and then when you got it to Lightroom, you could have already had the clunkers, you know, at the bottom of the pile. Exactly. So I mean, th- th- you're right. That is kind of interesting. I think that's neat. Um, and then there, there's a lock on the mode wheel. So, yeah, well, that's come on, that's common sense, man. Yeah, but the old ones never had that. Well, I, I think that's dumb. <laughs> uh, which is just wait, wait, wait do, are, you, are you thinking what I'm thinking? Like, so, so you can't change it to AV to TV, so it doesn't happen. Well, here's the thing: it doesn't when have you come out of your bag, or yeah, or hanging around your neck. When yep. you have a so here's the thing: when, when you have a knob like that, that's so big and easy to get at. Yep. Um, it has to either be really stiff. Yep. You know, like old school ASA style, you know, like on an old <laughs> manual camera, yep. like it has hard clicks or it has to have a locking button of some sort or yep. it has to be recessed in a way. Like if you look at um, similar Nikon cameras, uh, the knob is nowhere near as high profile. You can still grab it, you know, and turn it quickly and easily, but it, but it's not, it doesn't have rubber on it and it's not like sticking, it's not, per, you know, protruding off the side of the right. camera begging to be right. turned by accident. Now, the, the, uh, the hard detent thing would have been a fine solution for me, but I, yeah. I like the fact that there's something that keeps it. Because there are times when I pull my camera out of the bag, I pick it up, I take a shot, and it's like black. And I'm like, what the? And it's because oh, I got shot. Too. Exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Which, yeah, you know, you know, it reminds those, me. There's those custom settings on these cameras, too, which I've never used. Oh, yeah. I know a lot of people who like that stuff. All right, so um, you were saying. But I was going to say, it reminds me, my old school, my very first, the, the first camera that I spent years with was my Nikon FM2. Mm-hmm. And if you if you pull up a picture of that thing, you'll see on the right-hand side it has, you know, the, the classic, you know, uh, shutter speed knob. That's usually, you know, I think that was like, that was the first feature to get, you know, uh, if, you go, if you go looking at the history of camera de- interface design, the, you know, the function that got assigned to a wheel at the top of the camera yep. was usually the shutter speed. And uh, on that particular camera, uh, as you went around, you'll notice there are, you know, at the bottom or, you know, at, at the top of the, of the dial were, um, you know, the, the lesser used functions like B, mm-hmm. you know, for bulb and, and X and stuff like that. And I always got a kick out of the fact that on, I think it was on either B or X, one, one of those two, it would lock. You know, so it's like yep. you didn't accidentally, and then you had to push the little center button to, to get, to it, get go it going again. But it was just locking. It would just lock on that one. Yep. Because um, it's like, look, you chose this on purpose, you know, and you, you, you know, you, you're gonna have to make an effort to to change it. Yeah, I think I think it was the same on my father's AE one. So same yeah, I think there's yeah, it's not like a I don't think it's a rocket yeah. science innovation or anything like that. But it's nice to see it on the on the camera. No, it's it's totally nice to see it, and and so overall, I. It's 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 a nice upgrade and and at first I was kind of underwhelmed and I kind of said so in my little mini review before I mean I haven't used the camera I'm sure I'm oh. sure the image quality is fantastic the image quality it's, of the Mark II is fantastic great. so uh, it's fine it's perfectly fine yeah. I guess the thing is is that the it's it's much in the same way that I've talked about computers lately where I'm running a three year old machine and mm-hmm. a top of the line new machine would only give me maybe twenty percent faster. Right. So it's sort so, of like a the, the, the curve is flattening out. 
Exactly, and, and the real, the real, the real question is: Well, is this your first camera? I mean, are you, are you getting into it now? Right. If you're getting into it now, this is obviously a great, a great place to start. But I'll play devil's advocate for a second and say, you know that due to the popularity of the 5D Mark II, you could probably that get a camera used is going to be very. Bucks. Yeah. It's going to be around for a long time, and we've already established that that camera takes fantastic pictures. Yep. And hell, man, if I found an irresistible deal on it, I might even consider picking one up just because they're so damn handy. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, and, and I guess this brings us to the one downside, which is the fact that they've raised the price substantially. Yeah, it's true. Like a lot. Like so, the, the, well, when the 5D Mark II first came out. twenty six ninety nine, Right. Because I bought about, one for twenty six ninety nine. Yeah. And now the entry fee for the 5D Mark III is. thirty four ninety nine, Almost $1,000 more. Which is a lot of money. It is. And, and, and I don't think that the added features most uh, almost all of the features that they added are things that they should have added after three years of a new camera you know um they're 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 like the things that you would expect to come at the same price that's true and then they go and add the they raise the price substantially in it oh by the way the other thing we didn't list is there's dual slots so there's a cf and an sd SD slot um but uh, and and i was thinking about that and then i read somewhere though that they somebody who had their hands on. I think it might have been on DP review. No, maybe something like that. Anyway, but they basically pointed out that almost all of the features that this camera has, including a lot of the video features, are the same ones that are in the One DX. Mm-hmm. You know, and so in some ways they've they stole the autofocus from the One DX. It does six frames per second. It's got a hundred percent viewfinder. Mm-hmm. So in many ways. This is the one DX for people who don't want to spend six, seven grand. You see what I'm saying? I do. Um, I guess, and if you think about it, that that, that kind of goes in line. If I remember correctly, I might be off here, but the initial top end price, like I remember when the the Nikon D3 came out. I don't remember what the one D, not the one DS, but the one D was when it first came out. But I want to mm-hmm. say those were both. Five thousand dollar cameras. Yep. I think the cost of entry was five, right around five grand for the top end flagship camera, and now that that cost has crept up. So now the the, the new D four is six grand. Yep. The one DX, I think, is six also grand. six grand. Fifty fifty nine or something. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and, and so, so the this question sort of is, are they just making more money because they can, or because these things have actually gotten more expensive for them? Uh, maybe it's fifty. The other thing that to 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 think about is maybe they're they're trying, they have to make up for the, the Japan losses. Yeah, the whole Japan Thailand flood yeah. tsunami thing. And the other question is how long it'll stay at thirty five hundred dollars. I mean, it'll probably be a few, once three months goes by and everyone who wanted to buy the first batch buys the first batch and you can yeah. actually get them on the shelves. Yeah, and, we'll see. And companies need to start competing. Maybe then it's thirty two. You know, the problem is then your 5D Mark II is probably worth that much less if you were going to sell it to try to upgrade. Like I said, man, if I could find one in good shape for like a grand, I would seriously consider. Well, I will tell you, though, that like my 5D Mark I, the original. Yeah, still goes for about a I sold for $1,000 three months ago. Really? That reason I thought it was more like a year ago. No, it was a few months. It was. Oh, okay. It was it was when I bought my air. So what was that? October. Mm, something like that. So six no. months ago. So I'm just saying that, like, I think that the Mark II will be at least fifteen hundred. They right now they go for about two grand. Right I'd now. say that in a month or two they'll probably be at fifteen. You know, it's which man, if you need a camera, fifteen hundred dollars for that camera, yeah, is incredible. 
Awesome. Um, so basically, I need to decide whether selling my current camera at fifteen hundred, whether these, whether one hundred percent viewfinder and you know better autofocus is worth two thousand dollars to me. Yeah. Well, it's the other thing to think about there, though. You have you have definitely put your current camera through its paces. Yeah. It's, it might. It had like something m- to think about is just you know. Yes. You have never got the you're still rocking the uh, the original shutter. Yep. Uh, and who knows how I think did they up the. The rating on that too. Did they say it's now good for one hundred fifty or one hundred eighty? Mine's supposed to be like one hundred and twenty-five. This one's supposed to be one hundred fifty. Okay. Um, so I mean, just you know, if you've no, been using exactly. that camera for that long, it might not I'm be a bad idea. A hun- just, I'm probably at a hundred thousand. Yeah. So you know, from a, and then you, you'd hold on to yours and keep it as a spare for a little while. You know, because you're all, you're down to one camera right now. You don't have a spare. No spare body. Yeah. But you know, it's funny. I've never needed a spare body. You know, I mean, I oh, get, I know that's the that whole now. point. I know. No, 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 I know. <laughs> But I I've mean, seen it happen, man. Yes, but I, I mean, are there shoots when if any shoot that would be important enough to where like it will only happen once, mm-hmm. I'll get a spare body for that. You know what I mean? Okay. Sure. Like I've done ad shoots and things where I was shooting with a camera and I got a spare, which is I you know rented a camera that's identical to mine mm-hmm. just to have an identical camera around. Of course. Um, but like for most stuff, yeah, I don't generally keep a spare. I had the original five D for years. Uh, but then it was just kind of like, you know what? I'm, I don't never pick this thing up. Um, you know, there's, there's a weird thing though, that, that you, get, I was, I need to write a blog post about it, about how you get, um, connected to identical mass manufactured products. That's yours. Like, you know, your D three versus my D three or my five D Mark two is different than Joe's five D Mark two. And, mm-hmm. You you get attached to these things, even though they're one of a million. Sure, you know, um, and why we get attached to these things. Last weekend, uh, Heather and I were down in D.C. visiting my sister and my very cute nephew, mm-hmm. and we were on the subway, and we were at the subway station that my sister takes every day, mm-hmm. standing exactly where she stands every day because it's you know the place where she gets off. Mm-hmm. And um, I turned around, and I and I my elbow hit the edge of my lens cap. Mm-hmm. And the one thing I like about her about Nikon lens caps is that you squeeze the inside, mm-hmm. not the outside. Mm-hmm. And I knocked the lens cap off onto the tracks. Oh, no. Yeah. Now, it's a 15 so lens cap. cap. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. It's it, But it's a, you know, it's a $5 lens cap. I bought a new one. Mm-hmm. Um, Did I'm you do not, a Canon cap? I bought a non Canon cap, but, you know, whatever. It's, it's a lens cap. Uh-huh. Um, but it's funny because that piece of plastic I've had on that lens for, I don't know how long, eight years, nine years that I've owned right. that lens. Yeah, you, had, you had some attachment to it. I yeah. And, and, yeah. And I saw it sitting right there, three feet yeah. away from me on yeah. the tracks. Powerless. And there's you nothing could I could do thing. to get it back. You know? Nope. Oh, you could have hopped on the tracks and grabbed it. Well, that's the thing. My sister, my sister, some of us wanted to. I'm like, no, that's just silly. You know, like, that's dangerous. Um, and then the other flip side is that Melissa texted me on Monday and said, I'm staring at your lens cap. <laughs> <laughs> Still there. <laughs> but so two days later, it wasn't there. So I think Maybe that the, a rat took it. Well, I think the DC subway, I think because they shut down at night. Oh, sure. So I think they have one of those crazy uh, trains, you know, the suck it vacuum trains. That's that's my theory. Suck it vacuum, huh? You know what I mean? Sure. Anyway, so so what's 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 your final view on this Mark III? I think it's cool. I think it's about damn time. And uh, I, I look forward to seeing what uh, what it can do. Do you do you begrudge them at all for not putting lots of megapixels? You say no. 
megapixels to megapixels now. Uh, I wonder, you know, I wonder how good the high ISO is. But you know, in my review, I said it's got to be better than than, than the five D two, right? Has to be. And the five D two is pretty damn is like in the top yeah. five anyway. So it's, it's kind of like I'm sure that's what I'm saying. It'll be fine. I think it'll be great. Yeah. Uh, I, I guess I'm, I guess the point is is that the reason why I felt a little ennui about the whole thing is that ennui. that that these things have gotten so good that mm-hmm. we don't really need them to get better. No, you know, like but, in, no the, but just to counter what you just said, the, the the better, the getting better, essentially to me, boils down to the little nitty gritty, like the features, the buttons, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the, the user and interface. The and, aspect and again, ratio and the... And yeah. that's, you know, I think, I, I don't know, man, I, I still I still think Nikon has an edge on Canon when it comes to that stuff. They still, they seem to come up with these ideas first and they implement them a little better as a rule. I know you do. Rule. But that's just, that's just where I it's come so from. It's so cute. You, you keep know. your little minority and be happy about it. Whatever. I'm just, you know, <laughs> telling it like I see it. That's all I'm saying. Hey, uh, one thing, though, they, they did add. Yeah. Uh, they also put out a new flash and a new controller, which oh, are yeah, radio-based. Yeah, gigahertz, baby. That, see, now that is actually kind of interesting. Uh, that's something you've been, was it you? Somebody's yes. been whining about that for years. Like, why don't why doesn't Canon or Nikon do radio stuff? And What's why don't they have it built into the, the they should exactly. build that shit into the body. They should, man. It's, it's easy enough. It's not that. It can't be that big. I mean, look at how big your Bluetooth headset is. Come on. Exactly. Although the th- okay, so the new controller thing looks a lot more like your Nikon, the Nikon one. That it's, no, isn't it? Isn't the controller basically a uh, radio version of the the little the what? What's the the number of the thing? The IR thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, it, but it's but it's it's way more than that. But size wise, like user. Uh, I think it's actually a little design. bit bigger. Is it? Um, yeah, and it's got uh, it's got all kinds of crazy new functions. I, one of the coolest things I remember reading something about it. I think one of the neatest ideas uh, is that beca- it does two way uh, yeah. transmission. Yeah. So if you do have multiple flashes out there doing their thing, you can actually um, fire the camera from the flash. Well, no, no, that's not that's not what I was. You can do say. that too. You can do that, but yeah. uh, there's two cool little hit features that work hand in hand. Uh, so let's say you're you're you, you know you're shooting and whatever and you got. You know, you've made your investment in the system. You've got five or six of these things, or whatever. First of all, you can change the color of the LCD uh, backlight. There's two choices. There's a, there's a, a green one and an orange one, which okay. is kind of cool. So you can you can you can see them from very far away. You know, by what you know group it's in, uh, which is nice. And yep. then the other cool thing is because it has the remote talkback feature, uh, the flashes can then radio back and phone home. When they're ready, when they're when they're physically, you know, when their lights are on, you know, when their ready light is oh, on. So, so on, on the little controller thing, it'll tell you if the flash is ready you, to pop. Exactly. So you can see, you know, because let's say you, you did you stashed some flash, you know, up in the rafters or around the corner, you know, someplace where you there's no you can't see it or you can't hear it if you have the beep uh, turned on, um, and you want to know, you know, and you're shooting at full power and you've already shot fifty shots and you know that the recycle is going to be about five or six seconds and you don't want to shoot the frame until that light is ready to go. Um, so with this little contraption you can you can see when it's ready and, and get the shot yeah and they do all kinds of crazy yeah the new controller thing too i think it does like 12 different groups it can do 15 different flashes and five sure. different groups or something like sure. it's the kind of stuff that only joe mcnally ever uses but <laughs> but it's 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 a welcome addition man i i very i just like two days ago i had a conversation with somebody and we were talking about you know differences between canon and nikon and yep. this and that and, and you know one of the things that's been on the table for so so long is just nikon has been like a whole generation uh, ahead of Canon when it comes to this flash business. Yeah, so you now know, this, sort of, this now stuff. jumps the this, yeah, Nikon stuff. It definitely 
evens the playing field. Well, yeah, but why with, with not line of sight triggering that jumps? Well, let's That's not even, another thing. Let's not even go there. The, th- the other thing that I think is tremendous uh, is this new this new flash. I mean, it looks like a real flash now. You know, it it actually has a dot matrix display as opposed to the, the you know the standard old school LCD display. You you know you can poke around all of the features and and cycle through the uh, you know the uh, the options and not have to know secret function codes and hold down buttons for thirty yep, seconds yep. and you know random and, and re- it doesn't I'm you know having to reset stuff and I don't know that that that's a long long time coming I'm, I it, I am always surprised and appalled when when people release new products that have those sorts of user interface uh, elements it's like what what are you doing dude this is this is not 1988 yeah you know this yeah. is this is unacceptable i i guess for 600 my, bucks you well, know see okay so therein <laughs> lies the problem is that you yeah. want to upgrade to this stuff it's 600 yeah. bucks for the flash and 450 for, i'm not gonna spend a thousand dollars to be able to control one flash no, you get a get a freaking strobe get a get a white lightning or get a exactly a alien I mean, b or a you know a right. couple of them right. she's going to ebay and you can get for a thousand bucks, you can get a full get three, three or four setup. You can get yeah, three eight hundred, you know, eight hundred yeah. uh, white white lightning eight hundreds for that. And, or or go get if you want to do uh, uh, speed lights, you can always get like how much? How much are those things that the strobist guy likes to do? The you know the Which, cheap ones, the ones that MPIC sells. Or oh, whatever. the the Luma Pro LP one sixty. Those are, I think those are like one eighty or okay. one sixty. So you, you buy three or four of those and but, some pocket wizards or some of those buff that's things. True. Yeah, but those are those are all manual. I, I know they're all manual, but you know what? Nine times out of ten, you want to set something up and then shoot with it. You know what I mean? As much as I like TTL stuff, you get much more consistent results when you're doing it manually. I agree. Um, so it, it's it's. It's interesting, but at the same time, it's kind of like I'm not going to spend a thousand dollars on that stuff. And Nikon does the same thing. They they just re- the they updated that new the update to the SB900, the 910, okay, which is a terrific update. I mean, they fixed a couple of really major issues with it, but it's like five ninety nine or something like that. It's preposterous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just it. Just gets it. Just gets really, really silly. Yeah. Um. So, but anyway, those are those are actually in some ways those are more interesting than the new camera. Uh, yeah, I agree. I don't know. It's pretty cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what's this? Uh, what's this Gemini app? Oh, my friend Marissa turned me on to this. Hi, Marissa, if you're listening. Uh, this is a Macintosh application. Uh, it only, unfortunately, only runs uh, in macOS 10.7, aka Lion. But this application does something that I have always known was possible, but never got around to figuring out how to get it done. And that is this. So. Let's say you're someone like me, and you have been collecting MP3s, you know, from various places. Maybe you even made them yourself um, for the past, oh, 15 years or so, right? Uh, and sometimes what will happen is you'll get inspired, and you're like, oh, man, I should really sort out my giant folder full of MP3s. And, and you find that, oh, man, I, I guess I, I must... Um, oh, this, this, this whole thing is a mess. You know, I, when, when I rip, rip this album... You know, years ago, uh, I didn't. I had to name them all manually, and now I'm going to use the you know the CDD you know database to to get the proper file names. Or I'm going to use this cool file renamer tool to to sort them all by artist tag folder blob you know whatever. Um, and then you know then you go looking for it, and you don't find it. So what do you do? You redownload it or you re-rip it or whatever. You know, and you have next thing you know, you know, ten years later, you have two or three copies of the same exact files that might be named differently. Uh, or, or let's say, um, you know, if you're in a more modern context, let's say you've downloaded uh, a movie or a television show, 
Um, or modern and, context. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and, and, you know, you've got it filed away, but, um, and, 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 you know, you know, a year has passed. You're like, oh, you know what? I really want to watch that episode or I really want to watch that show again. You do a quick search on your computer for it and uh, maybe you find it, maybe you don't. Uh, so you redownload it and the, the file that you downloaded has a different name. But in fact, um, the exact same file from a different, you know, from a different source or with a different name is, is just hiding sitting somewhere in, in some archive somewhere, you know, deep uh, in the bowels of your hard drive. Um, so what this app does is a very smart duplication um, search. So it'll look through. So it's not just bit for bit, like taking it a is, hash. And no, comparing no, it them. is bit for bit. It, it is not name name comparison. Okay, only. so 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 it's basically it's it's comparing the binary data, but not the metadata. I don't know about the metadata. Um, all I can tell you is that it went through my stuff and it found a ton of stuff, movies uh, and MP3s and and even like zip files and stuff like that. It was actually able to go in and do checksum, you know, like you say, bit level comparisons. Right. So you can make the same file, name it two different things and stick it in this, you know, on your hard drive somewhere and it'll find both copies and say, which one do you want me to keep? OK, so um, so if you if you huge. if you like have copied from machine to machine to machine and you have 16 copies of some original thing that was on your desktop that you copied a folder and you know what I mean? You have it 12 times cause it got backed up 12 times in 12 different right. systems. Right. This will grab them all. Absolutely. It'll definitely do that, but that that's not hard to do because those files in theory would all have the same exact file name. Right. What the what it, what it is, what it is hard to do, what is hard to do and what it, what it, it does, which is the, the, you know, the most impressive thing the magic. is that it, it sees through the name and it looks at the actual data of the file. Another classic one for me is giant disk images. Sometimes I'll download, you know, an OS installer or I'll even make it myself. Um, and then I'll rename it from one thing to another, yeah. you know, and, and I'll forget about it. You know, and it'll get lost in my giant pile of stuff. And next thing you know, it's like, oh, I have three copies of the iLife installer. You know, great. You know, that one was named IL one one and one was named i life and the other one you know whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. um and if i you know if i'd gone looking you know set up a a, a spotlight search or you know a finder search for file size and you know a file type you know show me all the files that are dmgs that are over two gigabytes you know it would have i would be able to get there eventually but i mean who does that so you trust this thing i it's been really good i've been using it all week to clean up various you know hard drives of mine five bucks and, huh? uh, it's on sale for five bucks i mean come on uh how can you resist so uh thumbs up for that thanks again marissa and uh well just check it out i mean it i was impressed it's it's a little flashy you know the guy uh who wrote it you know got a little creative with the user interface but uh it's not it's not too flashy that i won't you know i wouldn't recommend it yeah 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 does have a stupid icon with eggs on it for some reason. Yeah, Gemini. Oh, it's the twins. I got you. Gemini twins. Eggs, though? What, where did the eggs come from? Uh, I don't know. There are two eggs because they're two little babies, the Gemini twins. So how much how much space did you recover from all this? Like 200 gigs. All right. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking right now. I'm, I'm down to uh, 12 gigs of, of MP3s to sort through. But I was able to, you know, to, to find a ton of, of movies and stuff that uh that have, that I've known you know have been named differently that that uh, I finally got around to. You know, I used an app a while ago which is similar to this for um figuring out where is it Mac stuff uh, because I okay, I got uh I had my music and then I had an archive of music that I acquired and uh there were some that were like lossless, some that were MP3, some that whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. And I found this one app 
which if I can find it here, was actually pretty good. It went through IMD Duper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the the thing again, that's going by names only. No, 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 no. It's it. Uh, well, I, I think it actually does some kind of weird lookup. But it but the problem with with MP3s and and what you're talking about is whoever ripped that collection. Those are those files are 100 percent different. Yeah, yeah, than yeah. The files but, that you ripped. But what they so can no do is re render the audio and basically do a lookup like on, uh, you know, uh, what's the thing you you can CDDB? like yeah. So I, I think it does a little bit more wow. than that. But one of the well, nice that, that's pretty cool. Well, one of the nice things that it does though is that you can then go if you have a bunch of different things. I, I have forty four thousand songs, right? And let's say that a third of them I have multiple versions of at different bit rates and things. You can say grab yes. the larger one, grab the smaller one, grab the all right. you know, that's, choose the ones that are lossless. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. It's 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 very very handy, and it's not just like and iTunes has always been awful with duplicates. Ugh, don't even get me started. iTunes is so long. I don't. But see, yeah. that seems like such a little like you can choose duplicates, <laughs> but there's yeah. no way to select one of them. There's a. There's a place I'll put a link to it. It's called Doug's Scripts. I think he leaves. Yeah, off yeah, the yeah. I, I played with those too, uh, and they're pretty goddamn good. Uh, yeah. that guy did a great job, uh, uh, and I would recommend those for any iTunes, um, you know, maintenance. Yeah. Uh, the other, the other example here, the, the other huge space saver for me, just now that I'm looking at it. Um, so like years ago, uh, I had an old, I don't know, sixty or eighty gig iPod, you know, like the iPod Video or whatever it was. Yep. And uh. Uh, I, I don't know what, I guess for whatever reason, um, I, I think I, the hard drive that all my music was on crashed and I didn't have a good backup of it. So, and I wanted to get that music off of that iPod and I wound up using some random, you know, iPod, uh, music, uh, file scanner program. Uh, maybe it was Sanuti or one of those other, something like that, where, you know, you plug your iPod in, you open this program and it lets you browse the actual hidden music files. Um, but this is a classic example. So you, let's say you grab those music files. The file names are all garbage. You know, all of the actual data is in the is in the tag. You know, it's in the metadata of the file. So I was able to get all of my music off the iPod, no problem. Uh, and then I even went a step further and used um, a little shareware app. I can't remember. I think it was called MP3 Rage or something like that. And and actually had it go through and re- properly rename all of those files. You know, with the artist and and album data. Um, but then I guess at some point I found a backup of that music from somewhere else. So, so with all, you know, with all the original names that I had, you know, from when I first put them on. Right. Um, and, and, you know, and it's 30 gigs here, 40 gigs there sitting around. And this, this program here found that. So now, I, and now I can go through and I can, you know, unfortunately it, it does have an auto select thing where it can sort of make an educated guess about which one you want to keep. Which you know, in any case, any situation like that, you, you know, potentially dangerous. But uh, I'm I'm looking at it through here now. I've got like over a hundred files to go through and and tell it which one to choose. But I can choose the one, the original one that was properly named, and not the not the one that I had renamed. Sure, you know? sure. So that's that's another example of what I'm talking about. It's uh, it's all very I don't know. It's it's very tricky because part of you says, yeah, I could delete this and it'll probably be fine. But if I delete it. I'm gaining back, you know, a few hundred megs, but you know, I have a few hundred megs to spare, so why not just hold on to it? You know, no, it's true. It all depends on where you're at. Uh, oh, but it drives me nuts with the music. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely worth a look, and at yeah. five bucks, I mean, it's yeah, not bad. I'm, and I'll put that IMD duper thing in the thing uh, as well. 
um, just yeah. as a for people who want to clean out their iTunes because I think it's ten bucks on the App Store. So oh, nice. could it save you hours and hours of work? So uh, check that one out, mm-hmm. and uh, I think that'll work. Yeah. Anything else on your schedule? <laughs> Let's not even talk about my schedule. Okay. Um, I think I finally will be back to a reasonable thing. And in next case, week? Yeah. I, wow. As of right now, I have absolutely nothing on my calendar for Saturday of next week. Yay. Okay. That's good. Um, yeah. And then next Sunday is Daylight Savings. Yay. Uh, I've heard that. Yes. And you know what? Mm. Heather and I were talking about this this morning, how, how the, they should just keep it that way all the time. I know. Because the dumb. four months a year now that it is. Is it worth it, really? It just it? it just makes you sad and miserable because it's yeah. dark it's not at worth like it. dinner time. It's not worth uh, it. I mean, I, I could understand for the people who needed to get up really early back in the day, but no one gets up at four o'clock in the morning anymore, you know? Um, I'd much rather have the hour at dinner time than the hour in the morning. I would agree. Anyway, anyway. Uh, so uh, let's see. Uh, circuitous.tv is the website where you can yeah. find the show notes. Yep. Uh, is, Leave some comments if you like. There you go. And uh, circuitousconversations at gmail.com is mm-hmm. where we will take your questions and comments. Uh, we, we enjoy the questions, so bring them on. Yeah. Uh, and we are at Bill Wadman and at Dan Gottesman on Twitter. Oh, and the other thing, uh, we had a question about um, – affiliate links so in it, just to follow up from our i guess was our last episode uh we we did switch over to our own hosting for the files uh and we are using the amazon s3 service which um as terrific as it is is not free so uh to make matters simple right now uh we have it attached to bill's bill's account um and uh so if, if you want to help us out with paying for that stuff, it's not super expensive. It's only a couple bucks a month. But uh, if you want to help us, uh, we'll do our best to use Bill's uh, affiliate links in our uh, show notes so that you can buy stuff through Amazon using his thing, and, and then that'll help offset the cost a little bit. Even if you don't buy uh, the things that we're linking to, if you buy something after linking through one of our links – whatever you then go look at. So if you click on the 5D Mark II, Mark III link we put in there and then go and buy, you know, a package of Can diapers, open. yeah, uh, we will get uh, the affiliate on that as well. So, uh, you know, you don't have to go crazy and buy expensive gear. Uh, maybe, no. you know, what we could do is we can also maybe put in a, put one of those buy us a Coke buttons. Buy us a Coke? You know how people buy us a beer? Oh, sure. You know what I'm talking about? I do know what you're talking the, about. Do it. Hey, like give it. us a buck. Can, can, does Amazon do that? No, but eBay or, or uh, PayPal, PayPal will. Yeah. Sure, there you go. So I'll, I'll maybe I'll set that up too. Um, so yeah, so and then go over to iTunes and uh, review us. Oh yeah, we like we love that. We got some we good do. reviews lately. Wait, did we? Yeah, I think there's a couple new ones. Nice, oh, people like check us. it out. Nice. Uh, okay, so till next week, uh, we will see you then. Yep. Bye. Have a good one. Right on.